Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Folks, one of the things we are doing on this channel is we wrap up 2023 and without question we'll continue in 2024 is interviewing new investors. New investors being somebody less than five years experience. If you watch one rental at a time, you might be tired of all the millionaires we bring on that have a decade or 20 years experience. So we're trying to fill in the gap. We're trying to bring on new investors, get their story, figure out what's working, what's not working. And we have the one and only Lattes and Leases. Yes, Soli is here today. How you doing, Soli? Good. I'm here to spread some Christmas cheer today. I like those rain day ears. Those little lights on there. That's very well done. Look at that. Woo-hoo. Shake, shake, shake. <laughs> Uh, so let's, uh, let's remind people what your story is, when it began, what you've done, where you're at, and then we'll dig a little deeper. Yeah. So I started investing in 2020. I live in the Bay area, so really expensive. And I bought my first rental property in Cincinnati in probably, I think it was like July or August of 2020. So mid pandemic, I was working in commercial real estate. So I was a commercial leasing broker for office space. And that industry kind of died. (laughs) Kind of died. Just a little bit. <laughs> and I'm not really sure it's recovered yet. So it's still I, dead. It's still tough out there. So I I started just digging into residential like investment real estate instead. So I, I quickly grew my portfolio. I bought about 25 or so units in a year, all in Cincinnati. Since then, it's been maybe like three and a half years so far. And I bought about 50 units across uh three different markets. Okay. So uh, obviously you lean towards taking action, right? Clearly you don't go from zero to 50 in three and a half years if you're not action oriented. Uh, but for a lot of people, frankly, Soli, you probably hear this all the time. That's that's just too fast for their, their brains to comprehend. Uh, so when you go from zero to 50, there were probably a couple of inflection points for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we talk about some of those? Maybe it was private money. Maybe it was partnerships. I don't know what it would be in your story, but what are some of those things that allowed you to go faster maybe than the average person thinks possible? I would say the first one was just a, a mastermind. Before I even owned a single property, I joined a, a free mastermind. So we met every single week and we talked about goal setting and and like vision boarding and, and your vision and it's all things that I don't think that I really heard of in college. but. Okay. It really got me thinking like, okay, how big can I can I make this thing? How big do I want to go? How fast do I want to go? So that was the first time where I actually put down on paper, I want to buy 45 units by the time I'm 30. And I'm I'm 25, so I hit it a little bit early. But it was, it was the first time that like if that felt so scary to me, but it was it was more than just I want to buy one rental property and that's it. Mm. It was the actual path for making you know, four or five units hitting financial freedom by 30 possible. So that was like the first, I guess, shift as I was surrounded by a bunch of investors who were led through all of these like vision boarding exercises Mm. and I how to set goals, how to create plans, that sort of thing. That was kind of step one in getting me to think bigger. So you, you, you quote unquote saw it in your mind and, and more importantly, not only saw it, but would you say you actually got to the point where you believed it? 
I think it was scary, but they always say like, if your goals don't scare you, then they're not big enough. Yeah. And so to me, I put them out on Instagram. I still have the post up there where it was me with my goals and like, I will buy 45 units by 30. And like the caption literally says, I'm terrified putting this out there because I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but awesome. I'm going to do it and you guys can watch me do it. So that's kind of, uh, that was the mindset there. So again, uh, free mastermind, other like-minded investors at different points in the journey. You saw it in your mind's eye. Uh, you took action. You put it out there. All right. Now it's out there. Is that Instagram post? Is it pinned? Is it something we all could go see or? You can go see it. You'd have to scroll yeah. down pretty far, but. So it's not pinned. It's not it's pinned not at the top. Pinned, um, but it's it's down there. I only have maybe like 300 posts. So you don't have to scroll. Yeah, it's not that bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. And again, you're living in the Bay Area. Did you already know that you couldn't do this in the Bay Area? Like you were already on the out-of-state investing at this point? I did some math. And so I had about 50 grand when I graduated college. And I was like, okay, for 50 grand, if I put down, you know, three and a half percent on a property, I could, I can't do math in my head, but you know, you could buy a condo essentially. Yeah. And so, and, and not only that, it's like, okay, I bought a condo. I can't rent it out. And then right. like, then what next? Like, I guess I what could make a tax, but my money is gone and I have to gone. just try yeah. to save up some more money. And it had taken me like three and a half years to save up 50 grand with right. saving everything. And so I was like, okay, I don't think that's going to work. And so some of my friends had some properties out of state and I always thought they were just crazy. Like, what do you mean? They had never seen it. They have never seen it to this day. They never go out there. Wow. And I was like, that is just um, like a wild concept that you can do that. But when I was doing some math and being like, I can't buy locally, I thought about what they did. And then I was just like, Hey, how'd you do it? Like what's mm. what are the first three steps I should take to right. try to buy my first rental out of state? And like, what market should I look at? That, that, that's an important one. And and I think you and I brought that up on your first interview on this channel. There's everybody talks about the core four. And yeah. to me, it's the core four is a secondary function. You have to find other like-minded investors, preferably somebody, you know, and trust and respect that's had some success or at least has an, an in, you know, so a track record mm. because you can just shortcut so many things. Right. Right. So they, they also showed me that it was possible and I had watched them do right. it for the past two, three years. And when I was ready, I was like, okay, I know I can do it. You guys have done it. You're my age. And so why, why can't I do it too? So that was, I guess, like the first property. And I bought my first two properties by myself. I bought about four units through those two properties in five months and then it was like, okay, well, like what next? I used up yeah. my- I'm out of money now. There goes 50 grand. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, it goes fast over there. At least I'm making some cash flow off of it. But yeah. that was, you know, the next step is as I found a partner and I went back to one of the people who I knew invested in real estate and he was three years ahead of me and he had been working for a couple of years. And so I was like, hey, I don't have no money. I'm really enthusiastic. I have a great market, have a great team. What do you think about- partnering up so that you can teach me yeah. stuff about real estate and you can fund my deals and like, I'll do a lot of the work. And okay. so we tried it out with one flip. We flipped a property. Thankfully we flipped a property in, in the end of 2020, 2021. So it was impossible to fail. Yeah, like the market really took care of you no matter what. I know you could make every mistake possible and still make money. So we did that. I'm like, okay, like we work pretty well together. And so we ended up buying those like 25 units together. Um, and that was those like 25 or buy and hold. Um, we had a couple of flips in there, maybe like three or okay. four, and the rest of them we bought and hold. And that was the second unlock is 
once I found my my community, then it was like really finding a partner who could then teach me, show me, and help me finance deals. Because again, I was 22 and I had just got a job. So I didn't really have much money. I wasn't really financeable. Um, I needed someone to kind of help me yeah. out in the area. Yeah. So let's so let's talk about that a little bit because there's probably a lot of people out there that are 21, 22, shoot 25 that have a lot of time, energy, and excitement, don't have don't have the checkbook, right? Don't have the bank account to to fund. How do you build a relationship with somebody who who might be dec might be decades older than you and yeah. has the stroke? How do you build that trust? How do you build the knowledge? How do you even have the conversation um, with someone like that, you think? I think the first thing is just like doing what they say. So a lot of coaches, I'm sure you have coached people and you tell them to do something and you never hear from them again. And you're like, well, I just wasted my time and my yeah, breath. That's why solely I never do coffees anymore. Let me go to, yeah. let me take you to coffee and, you know, pick your brain. I don't do those anymore because they never yeah. do anything. Exactly. And so for this partner, like I, he had kind of sort of helped me through my first one. Like he had mm -hmm. seen me analyze. I had him double check my, my math on my analyzing a deal. And I was like, is sure. this a good deal? He saw me fly out to Cincinnati. Like he watched my Instagram. And so I think through that, it was like, okay, she has, listen to my advice. She has actually done something. She's willing to spend four weeks sleeping on the floor, renovating her property. She's like really taking action and showing it on like through Instagram. And he was watching me and he's like, okay, like this girl actually, she's not a sayer, she's a doer. And right. so I've already put my own money on the line. I put my own time on the line. And so I think through that, same thing, like I've, I've had business coaches who then turn into business partners because over a year or two of coaching, it's like, oh, dang, this girl actually does what she says and she's really good at it. Mm. And so I think that's kind of how relationships evolve. It is taking, if it is that type of relationship, it is actually showing that you're willing to do the work mm. and that they're willing to actually pay attention because probably only like one to 2% of the actual population does the work. Oh, yeah. If that, no, you're absolutely right. I. It's funny. I've raised millions of dollars two different times in my 22 years. And the first time it was even before video was out there and it was, I was writing blogs. And just like you said, um, you know, I wrote two or three, maybe four stories about properties we were buying and flipping with our own money. And mm -hmm. sure enough, once you get, you know, the fourth or fifth one out there with evidence and proof and pictures and stories and what you did, right. What you did wrong. And just being just full disclosure, i.e. sleeping on the floor to make it work in your example, People, people start reaching out to you. I've raised probably eight or nine million bucks collectively and never asked for a dime. Mm. They just came to me. It's like, hey, if you, yeah. you, you find the next one, you know, I'll fund it. And it really is taking action and then documenting the action and then going back and documenting what was right and wrong. It's, 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 it's hilarious that people think you always win. If you're not documenting a couple of mistakes and, and you know, uh, even though you made money because when you bought, you might have underscoped, you might have overpaid, somebody may have stole from you. Just tell the full story. And mm -hmm. people are like, I can trust this person. It's it's wild to think about. And that's actually my my third unlock was your partner only has so much money. And so I became a real value add because of my social media. I was able to raise private money. People would come to me too and say, you have been so transparent, showing everything, the bad, the good, the lessons, the ugly, the losses. And mm -hmm. I want to invest with you because I've watched you over the past year or so really take action. Again, it's like it's so rare that someone actually does mm -hmm. it. Um, and that's how I ended up raising private money. So a lot of people's problems are like, oh my gosh, I have no money. I can't scale. 
And once you realize that money is the most infinite resource, then really it's like, you know, time is the most limited um, resource. And then deals are much harder to find than money. And so I think that's kind of the next unlock inside my journey as maybe like a year, year and a half into investing when I began Mm -hmm. to raise private money. And that was able to like, you know, propel my whole investing career and help me be a, a real value add to my partners. I have other partners now as well. And I think yeah. everyone could always use someone to help them find money. No, I, I agree with that entirely. The other thing that I've seen on your journey, again, you know, stalking on Instagram for all this time is <laughs> you're not afraid to change markets, right? Something I, in my journey, people know I've been in one market for 22 years and never bothered to change. I did evaluate other markets, but I'm like, I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm not going anywhere else. You're yeah. in multiple markets now. So uh, talk about that. Yeah. So I started in Cincinnati, Ohio. I built a portfolio of about 25. I now have maybe like 30 or so units over there. And somewhere along the way, um, I was like managing renovations. I was doing everything, but I was in another type of mastermind. And I met someone who owned a construction firm, owned a property management firm. And he was like, hey, if we just teamed up, like we could go so much further together. And he was looking in a different market in Augusta, Georgia. And so to me, I was like, okay, like, tell me about the market, you know, pitch it to me. And it's, it is a little bit similar to Cincinnati. The price points are very low. You can still buy a home for under a hundred thousand dollars. Some of the pros are the homes are built like 1950s, 1960s. Mm, So those are significantly easier to renovate than an 1890s house. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So I think that was a, that was a big win. The price point still made sense. And then having like a boots on the ground team was really game changing. So my partner and I were both in California and we were managing all of these renovations. We were managing everything from 2,500 miles away. So I would kind of fly out there occasionally, get some stuff done, fly back. And it was like, how much more efficient would it be if we just had someone who was already an expert in construction? I had no construction background. So someone to, you know, scope the properties, manage the properties, renovate the properties and make sure that they were done right. It would just, it would be amazing. It would help us scale more. And it would also just help me focus on the things I want to focus on and take me out of the role of construction management, which is not my, not my forte. Mm-hmm. So that's why we ended up switching over. It's really more of like, where is your competitive advantage at that yeah. point? Our, we had a bigger competitive advantage in Augusta, Georgia than in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we had the team to support it. And we had a partner who was willing to take on the role that we did not want to take on. Right. The, so- the day-to-day on the ground. Yeah. Boots on the ground. Yeah. Right. And so we all kind of, we all shifted roles. And so I have the partner who invests in Cincinnati with me, it still does acquisitions. So all the cold calling, the mailing, the broker relationships, my other partner in Augusta, Georgia is boots on the ground renovations. And I handle a lot of the capital raising, investor relations, that sort of thing. Very, very cool. Well, I'm so curious. You've done so much in the last three years, two and a half years, three years. Where, where are you excited about 2024? Are you nervous? 8% mortgage rates, then six and a half. I mean, there's a lot going on in the housing and lending market. Uh, what, what are you thinking about 2024 and, and beyond? I'm excited. I am interested because there's so much chatter about the rates going down. And so I think the minute rates go down, competition goes up. And so I've been yeah. really- No doubt. I've actually been really enjoying the 8% interest rates because you can find such killer deals. And so it's just a window. There is there are a lot of different windows. There are a lot of different markets, and you just have to learn how to work with each market. 
And so, you know, when I started investing, it was three and a half percent interest rates and right. all great and fine. My properties cash flowed $500 per month on a long-term basis, but it was so hard to win an offer. You were just like putting in bunches of offers and you were always being beat out, all cash, no contingencies. And so nowadays there's just like home sitting on the market, 30 plus days, days on market, 60 plus days, days on market. And you're able to get deals at like 30, 40, 50% off listing price, which that would not happen in a low interest rate environment. No, absolutely right. The other thing, um, it sounds like some of your partners are doing kind of off-market lead generation, mailers and the like. How important is that for for someone getting started? Can can they can they buy just out of the MLS or in, in today's market, you gotta go, you gotta get more creative. We actually buy half of our deals off MLS still. So just by like really, really um, what do you, what do you say? Insulting offers. Yeah, uh, disrespectful, yeah. Respectful yeah, offers. There you go. Um, so that's like I would say for a beginner person, I would not recommend mailing and doing cold calling because it's just like not, it's a job. It's like it's when you have an acquisitions person and you have an acquisitions department, sure, by mm -hmm. all means. Like we have someone who manages VAs and his job is acquisitions. But right. for me, it's like if you're just a single person trying to learn how to invest in real estate, go find people to find deals for you whether that's agents, maybe some wholesalers, maybe just, you know, looking on Zillow, tracking days on market, and you can find deals that way. And you will save so much time not cold calling people. Yeah. The other thing I'm interested to see, um, this is really your first cycle, right? You've been in this for three years. I've been doing this 20 years. There was something I saw in 2019. So right before you got started mm -hmm. that we're going to see the pain from and that is all the, everybody was a syndicator, right? I yeah. went to a, a meetup. I was the featured speaker. And I I do those because I want to know what, what's got the audience excited. And this was in the Bay Area. So it was tech-based. It was in San Jose, one of the hotels. And it had 100 people there, maybe 80 people. And like half of them were brand new syndicators. Mm. Never operated a building, never did anything. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I think there's a lot of pain coming to those LPs. They've lost their money already. They're being hit with capital raises or they're about to lose their money. So I wonder what that might do to the psyche of investors. Because there was a time, like you said, when you were doing the, your first flip, you couldn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Same thing with syndications, right? There were people that got in and out without doing anything and made gazillions of dollars. Right. But that time is over. The pain is coming. And I wonder, I for me, because I never got in that game because I saw the catastrophe coming. I want to buy the deals, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious solely if you're looking at potentially going big and buying some distressed apartment buildings or multifamily when all this pain finally shows up. I would love to. I feel like I would love to buy something around the Augusta, Georgia area. There's Columbia, South Carolina down there. There's a bunch of bigger markets. Um, it just is a matter of, of when when those deals hit the market, like would I buy them? Here? If if the deals made sense, great. If I had a a great partner and an operator, sure, no problem. But I think it's it's just when when will that? I haven't personally seen any big multifamilies kind of come on near me. But it's like you know, is it going to be a year, two years? We're yeah. we're looking and we're stacking cash for that reason too. And we've been flipping a bunch of properties because there is a lot of pain currently, but I think there will be continue to be a lot of pain coming in the future. And so yeah. if you can kind of have those cash reserves and be ready to move and also be very intentional with, with nurturing your investor list right now, because you just, you don't never know when a deal is going to pop up. 
Yeah. And one of the things I, you know, one of the things that Olivia and I have done is we've, we've, we've taken on debt-based partners. So they were the first, right? They were the debt. Yeah. We've never had an equity partner. And, um, you know, so that's, that's a different, that's a different ball game, but we are, we're definitely looking to potentially buy the biggest thing somewhere between 20 and 50 units. Cause again, okay. we want to do it all ourselves. What market? Uh, well, this, the, this, I'm so boring. Solely Fre Fresno, <laughs> California. <laughs> I'm so boring. I got a team. I'm so, I'm so old compared to you. You're younger than my daughter by a decade, uh, almost no. a decade. So, oh really? yeah. Yeah. She's 32. So yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have the energy, uh, or interest in, in doing that, but I know the pain's coming and that's, you know, I think someone like you who has the opportunity, the network to your point, it's not coming tomorrow, yeah. but it is coming. I'll be yeah. looking to buy something between 20 and 50 units. Um, uh, there'll be, there will be bigger opportunities, but, uh, I think there's a lot of pain coming in the, in the, you know, the commercial real estate market. Yeah. What do you, um, what do you think about the hospitality market? Like hotels and things of that nature? Airbnbs, boutique hotels. So I think boutique hotels, um, I think there's, uh, it, it, there are opportunities for sure. I think Airbnb may have seen its peak in 2020 and 2021. There are always markets that are Airbnb friendly and there will always be. But I think there's going to be more and more markets that go anti Airbnb because of the housing shortage and things of that nature. So mm -hmm. I would expect regulations to ramp up um, and for profits to go down uh, on short term right. rentals. Now, if you're going to do midterms, that's a totally different game, right? Traveling nurses, things of that nature. I think furnished rentals, like longer term, is an okay business if you're around the right infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But I do think Airbnbs have seen the peak of profit in 2020 and 2021. It's like the perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see that coming back. Really tough for people who were in like New York when all of the new regulations came out and oh yeah, overnight they were forced to take down their, I had a bunch of messages inside my DMs. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the rules changed. Yeah. And you bought your property, not with any other exit strategies. It's like you yeah. either sell it or you take a loss because you can't rent it anywhere else and it doesn't make any money. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. One of the things you know about real estate is it's always changing, always evolving. I tell people to watch the real estate market and the lending market because I've been, I've been investing so long solely. I remember when you can only get four loans. Four? Right? Four. When was that? That was 2008, 9, 10, I think. It was one of the outcomes of the Great Recession. Wow. Yeah. So uh, rules can change. That's for sure. Soli, you do amazing work. How can people follow you, find you, do all those great things? Instagram is the best place. It's Lattes and Lisa's. And then we also teach people how to invest out of state at the Out of State Investor Academy on Instagram and online. There you go, Soli. Thank you for being here again. We appreciate you. Happy holidays. You make reindeer ears look good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Got it.